If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I started a series last Sunday, and uh, we want to continue through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've been in Corinthians for some time now, and we talked about last Sunday how love is foundational to everything. And then this morning we're going to be looking specifically at verses 4 through 8. But my scripture reading will be focused on verse 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 8. On behalf of Kathy and myself and Pastor Brad and Jill, thank you for doing what you did for us this morning. We certainly appreciate it and we love you for, folks for doing that. Thank you. Thank you so much. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and then I'd invite you to pull out those message notes and follow along as well. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. God bless the reading of his word. And could we pray one more time, church family? Lord, I'm asking this morning that you would help me to share this message. And to where we live at in our lives. This is so, such a word for the 21st century. Such a word for us today. Help me to share it, Lord. To make it plain applicable to where we live at in our lives. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray again. Amen. I want to share a story with you. And if you've heard this story, I find that people still smile every time it's told. I think it's funny. There's a man and there was a wife. And they got an argument one particular morning over breakfast. Over who should make the coffee? Who should make the coffee? He said, you're the wife, and you're supposed to make the coffee. And she said, no, you're the husband, you're the man of the household, you're supposed to make the coffee. And she said, after they went back and forth, I can prove it to you that you're the person that's supposed to make the, the coffee from the Bible. He said, it doesn't say anything in the Bible about making coffee. She said, yes, it does. And she started thumbing through her Bible. And she said, right here, see, he brews. <laughs> I know, that's kind of corny. <laughs> she said, he brews. We're in a series on becoming a greater lover of people. 
The Bible says that it's not good for a man to be alone. It's not good for a man to be alone. We're, we're to be involved in relationships with other people. In fact, that's the reason why they came up with the punishment of solitary confinement. Because we're to be involved in relationship with other people. And, and we want to look at this particular subject this morning. We want to look at why we should be greater lovers of people, so to speak, for two reasons. Uh, number one, did you know that relationships determine our happiness? Relationships determine our happiness. It, it's really true. It's the source of our greatest pain or it's the source of our greatest pleasure. Relationships can make you feel miserable or they can make you feel magnificent. Number two, relationships also determine, to a large extent, our level of success on our jobs. On our jobs. The American Management Association said the number one skill, more than knowledge and more than expertise, is the ability to get along with other people. The ability to go with the flow, so to speak. The ability to, to get along. It was Rockefeller who said years ago, I would pay anything for that. As we gave an introduction to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 last week, we saw that the Bible says that the basis of all relationships is love. Last week, we looked at the priority of love. Paul says, without love, I could be the greatest orator in the world. I could have the ability to speak in the tongues of men and of angels. But if I don't have that basic ingredient of love, it is nothing. It's like a clanging cymbal. It's like someone beating a drum. He said, I could have the gift of knowledge. I could be the smartest person in the entire world. I could have the IQ of an absolute genius. I could be an astrophysicist. But if I don't have love, I am nothing. He said, I could have faith to remove mountains. I could have all of these spiritual experiences in the entire world. But if I don't have love, it is absolutely worth nothing. He said, I could die a martyr's death. I could be burned up for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if I don't have genuine love, if I don't have the ability to get along with other people, it is worth nothing. The Apostle Paul says, I can know all these theological arguments. I could divide uh, theological arguments 16 different ways. I could do all of this stuff. I can know the Bible backwards and forwards. But if I don't have love, it's absolutely worth nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. It's zero. Jesus said in John 13, 14, and 15, A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. It's a commandment. It's not, well, I get to pick and choose. I'm going to love you if you do all this stuff for me, or I'm not going to love you because you do all this stuff against me. I can't pick and choose. It's a commandment. God says, Jesus said, love one another. That's all review where we've been at. We, we know that. But the problem is, is that for most of us, is putting this into practice. Putting into practice. 
Because most people misunderstand love. Somehow, in the practice of love, through movies or dysfunctional families, we don't know how to put this into practice in our lives sometimes. So we need to define it. Everybody uses the word love. I said last week that one guy said, I love my wife, I love God, I love America, and I love hot dogs. All in one sentence. Uh, sometimes, not even in that order. But as we saw last week, that God um, has dedicated this entire chapter in the Bible saying that love is this and love is not. And one more time, look at this particular passage of Scripture. This is the practice of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. We're going to do a study beginning today on each one of these statements. And the first thing that you notice is love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. Here's a working definition. Someone writes, patience is a way of waiting on God and circumstances with faith it is trusting that the Lord will fulfill his promises in the way, in the time, and in the place he chooses without excessive worrying, agitation, complaining, or grumbling. The Hebrew word for patience means to wait for, it means to look for, it means to hope for. The Greek word for patience means to remain, it means to abide, it means to persevere, it means to endure, it means to bear up bravely and calmly. The word picture from the Old Testament, because often the word associated with patience is long-suffering, the word picture that is given is like, a, is like boiling water, a degree, a day, one degree, two degrees, three degrees. It should take a long time to reach that boiling, boiling point. Patience. Someone else writes, patience means keeping your anger in check for a long time, enduring hardship for a long time, waiting a long time for goodness and truth and righteousness to prevail. In essence, striving for God's perfect timing in all things. Now, as I have started this series, The Life of Joseph, I have been reminded of this one particular characteristic that Joseph possessed. And that was incredible, incredible patience. As a 17-year-old, David had this vision, he had this dream. His star was a lot higher in the sky than the sun and the moon and all the other stars, than his father even, and than his brothers. God was trying to convey to him that he had this wonderful plan for his life. But Joseph, as a 17-year-old, began to brag about that. And his father, of course, was dysfunctional. He had a crack in his foundation and bestowed a lot of attention upon Joseph. It's true. The only thing that Joseph had was the fact that he could not control his mouth. There's not one negative thing written about Joseph. 
And yet his brothers threw him into a pit, sold him into slavery. He ended up in Egypt, and there he was falsely accused by Mr. Potiphar and was thrown into prison. And through all of these trials and through all of these difficulties, he continued to have faith and patience that God was going to do something wonderful in his life. And did you know that Joseph was elevated as a prime minister, second in charge to the most powerful monarch of his day. And he rescued his family and he, through his faith and patience, brought the Abraham hope to fruition, continued on until we have Jesus Christ. Patience. Patience, long-suffering. There are rewards and positive things that occur when a Christian person exercises patience, waiting on the Lord to work things out. And there are often severe consequences of impatience. I've listed a number of those in your message notes outlined this morning. But I want to talk about right now the positive consequences, the rewards of patience, because I believe the Bible talks about a number of those. And I want to talk about five of those, five of these this morning. The first thing I want you to notice is, is that patience, patience can lead to earthly benefits. We talk about spiritual benefits. But did you know that patience can lead to earthly benefits? You can be blessed uh, materially speaking for being a very, very patient person and not giving in to impatience. We know that uh, Job lost his children. All of his children died all at once in that severe earthquake. Everything just collapsed on top of them. We know that Job lost his wealth. He lost all of his livestock. We know that Job lost his health. He's sitting on a dung heap and he's got boils all over his body. Remember the story. And he's got shards of clay and he's, he's scraping away the pus. And his wife comes to him, remember, and says, you might as well curse God and die. But Joseph never curses God. He basically says, should we accept goodness from God and not also accept adversity? We talk about the patience of Job. But what a lot of us, because we don't want to be associated with the health and wealth and prosperity church, what a lot of us don't do is we don't go on and talk about the second half of Job's story. And it's found in Job 42.10. It's right there in your message notes. And I want you to note, this is what we read. After Job prayed for his friends, the very ones that kept saying, you must be a sinner. You must be involved in some sort of willful sin. After Job prayed for his friends, the one that kept saying that he must have sinned, did something wrong, the Lord made him, notice, prosperous again, and gave him twice as much as he had before. Why? Because he didn't turn his back on God, he didn't curse God, he continued to trust in the Lord, and he continued to exercise patience. Patience. Earthly benefits. The second thing I want you to notice, the second thing, when you exercise patience, when you exercise patience, it helps perfect 
our, your character. It helps to perfect our character. I want you to, uh, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Look at James chapter 1, verse 4. Notice, but let patience have perfect work that ye, the King James Version, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. When we exercise patience, it takes the rough edges off of our character, and it's like a sandpaper that helps smooth us off, so to speak. Number three, when we exercise patience, it brings encouragement to other people. Did you know it brings encouragement to other people? It's a witness to other people when you exercise patience and you endure trials and difficulties. This is where the Thessalonica church was at. Paul wrote to them. Notice that particular passage of Scripture in Thessalonica. He says, I can boast about you. I'm bragging about you to all the other New Testament churches because you have exercised patience in the midst of trials and in the midst of difficulties. You have done this wonderful thing. And Paul, in essence, was saying, because you did it, the other people in the other churches can do it as well. When we exercise patience... It is an encouragement to other people. And number four, by exercising patience, it provides us with God's power and it helps us to receive God's promises. It helps us to receive God's promises. I want you to notice Hebrews chapter 6, verses 12 and 5. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham saying, I will give you many descendants, notice verse 15, so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Now when God promised Abraham that he was going to receive a child, how old was Abraham? We believe he was at least 75 years old. And 25 years later, when he and his wife are way past childbearing age, they received a son. Patience, waiting. Noah was told by God, I want you to build this ark. He had never seen it rain before. But God said, it's going to rain, it's going to flood the earth, and I want you to build this ark. And for 120 years, day after day, year after year, Noah built the ark. And the Bible says that God patted these individuals, these Old Testament saints, you might want to say, on the back because they exercised patience. Now, I have to tell you something. Unfortunately, if you're like me, you get, you've gotten more impatient as you've gotten older. I hope that's not true for you. But it seems to me, in the last couple of years, few years, as I've gotten older, there has been a tendency to become less patient. I've noticed it in myself. This message has really spoken to me in a way that many messages haven't spoken to me in a long time. Because I understand that there's a process that life and that God often brings us through, and we have to exercise times of patience. You have to bite your tongue. You have to sit back, and you have to wait on the Lord to begin to work in people's lives, because if you begin to manipulate, and if you begin to try to do a power struggle, then all of a sudden it backfires on you. Patience, waiting, trusting, enduring. And if anything, 
when I go to the express line of a grocery store, I know that I have a problem. Because, because I count those 15 items or less. And say, Lord, help me. Help me. Uh, we have instant coffee. We have fast food. But God's kingdom and his timing is different. It's different. Different from ours. And patience helps us to receive God's promises in his way and his time. Did you know that patience, number five, also improves our relationships with others? Patience also improves our relationships with other people. I've never known of a loving father or mother who have not uh, affected their children in one way or another, in a positive way. It doesn't mean that they absolutely live for the Lord 100%. It doesn't mean that they often don't backslide. But I don't, I've never known of a positive, uh, a, a, a patient father or mother who haven't influenced one way or another their children in a positive way. Patience. Patience affects relationships. And the Bible says, love is what? Love is patient. Love is patient. Tertullian, an ancient church father, said, to put it in a nutshell, every sin against others can be traced back to impatience. Impatience. Paul in Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 says, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other, because, <laughs> no, this is what he said, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Now, why is patience so important and so vital to relationships? I think there are two reasons, just two common sense reasons why patience is so vital to relationships. Number one, because everybody is different. Because everybody is different. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, we read, God works through different people in different ways. God works through different people in different ways. He says... Every single person ever born is an original. If you're a parent of more than one child, you know what I'm talking about. You can, those children can be raised in the same home, can be raised in the same family, and they can be totally different from one another because everybody is different. Now, we're different because we have different spiritual gifts. Some of us have the gift of hospitality. Some of us have the gift of encouragement. Some of us have the gift of administration. Some of us have the gift of music. Some of us, there's a widely distributed gift. And I have it, I have, excuse me. What I find out, what I've noticed is, is that often people with different spiritual gifts than other people, they have a tendency to gravitate uh, to misunderstandings. Because this is my spiritual gift mix, and this is your spiritual gift mix, and my spiritual gift mix is just as important or perhaps more important than your spiritual gift mix. Does that make sense? We're also shaped by our heart. We're also shaped by our passions, uh, the things that we're passionate about. We're also shaped by our personalities. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. We're also shaped by our experiences in life. Some of us served in the military. Some of us did not. Some of us were actively involved in sports. Some of us were not. Some of us were heavily involved in music when we were kids. Some of us were not. And these, this shape, the spiritual gifts, this heart passion, these abilities, the personality, these experiences shape us. 
And unfortunately, they have a tendency to lead to some sort of misunderstanding because everybody is different. And, um, and, and um, because of our differences, we often have misunderstandings. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about this morning. Here's a test. When you were a kid and you brought home a report card with five A's and one B, five A's and one B, what was the response? What was the response? <laughs> they passed out. <laughs> okay, response number one. I feel good knowing my parents felt good too. Number two, my parents would want to know why I got the one B and only the five A's. Number three, I would expect a big reward for my parents if I brought home a report card with five A's and one B. Number four, I'd feel sad because I had not gotten straight A's. Some of us would say that. And number five, <laughs> I'd call NBC News and schedule a press conference if I got five A's and if I got one B. Because we're different. We're all different and we need patience. Number two, because, our, our, because of our differences, our differences can and do often create misunderstandings. Because we're different and because we're not alike, it creates misunderstandings. Because we just can't figure out what makes the other person tick. We just can't figure out how come they're thinking that way. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, we read, No one can really know what anyone else is thinking or what he is really like except that person himself. Circle no one in your message notes there. Nobody can understand my wife. Nobody can understand my husband. Nobody can understand the next door neighbor. Nobody can understand the boss. Have you ever used these words in the last 30 days? He does not understand me. She doesn't understand me. She's on a different wavelength. My parents are in a different time zone. Why do you get so emotional? Can, can you relate? One wife said, listen to this, I know what you think, you understand what you thought I said, but I'm not sure you're aware of what you heard is not what I meant. I want you to listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, be patient with everyone. Would you circle that word, everyone? How can I be patient with everyone if they're so different from me? How can I be patient with another person who has a different spiritual gift mix, who has a different personality, who have different experiences? For example, did you know that words, do words mean the same to different people? Do words mean the same to different people? They don't. I read a study one time that the, the most, excuse me, the, the, the most common 500 words in English language have 14,000 different definitions. The most common 500 words in the English language have 14,000 different definitions. And is there only one right way to see things? 
often that's not true. Or can we figure out the motives of other people? You can. People are motivated differently. If I can't figure out my motives half the time, how can I figure out what you're thinking and what your motives are? And so all of these things come to misunderstanding. And yet the Bible says that I'm to be patient with everyone. Remember what somebody has said years ago, to dwell above with those we love, that will be glory. But to dwell below with those we know, that's a different story. How do I do it? Well, God commands it. The Bible says, love one another. Be patient with one another. He doesn't say, I suggest that you be patient with another person. He says, you do it. Be patient with everybody. How do I do it? Let's talk about it. Number one. Number one. Don't forget how patient God is with you. Don't forget how patient God is with you. You'll never be more patient with anybody else than God has been with you. I want to look at that passage of Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, Paul speaking, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst sinner, Christ might display his unlimited patience. Paul said, God chose me as a murderer. Did you know that the, that the Lord had been working on the Apostle Paul a long time? We read the, the Damascus Road experience and we think it happened overnight. But Paul says, there was a constant goad, a constant prick in my conscience. God kept pricking there, day after day, week after week. He showed unlimited patience for the Apostle Paul. This murderer of the saints was there when Stephen was stoned. He was a fanatic. And, God, and Paul said, God just turned me around and just showed me his unlimited patience. The next time you say to your kids, I want to say to your kids, why don't you just grow up? Don't you realize that God wanted to say that to you a number of times? Why is it taking so long? Kids, hurry up. Come on. Why come to the car, please? Why aren't you getting with it on and on? And yet, he's been more than patient with us. Don't forget how patient God is with us. Number two, how to be more patient with people. Number two, here. Really here, really listen to what other people are saying. Listen to what they're saying. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. Proverbs 14.29, a patient man has great understanding. Would you circle those words, wisdom and understanding, right there in the message notes? If you want to learn patience, the key is understanding. Understanding. And the Bible says the key to patience is understanding. The more understanding you have of another person, the more patient you will be with them. And you get wisdom and you get understanding from studying the Bible, looking what God says about people, and listening to people. Listening to people. I want you to listen to what Paul Turner, a Christian psychiatrist, said yesterday. This is what he said. No one can fully develop in this world and find a life, a full life, without feeling understood by at least one person. No one comes to know himself through introspection or in the solitude of his personal diary. 
Rather, it is in dialogue with his meeting with other people. We figure out who we are in relationship to God and in relationship to other people. Well, how can I better understand people that I'm impatient with? If I understand them better, then I'll be more patient with me. Well, how do I do that? Again, by listening to them. Really listening to them. When we were younger, I have to tell you, I had a hard time listening at times to my wife. And finally, through outside sources, I understood. Put the paper down. Turn off the TV. Put the magazine aside. Eyeball to eyeball. Knee to knee. Talk to me. Listen. Did you know that God has given us one mouth and two ears so that we can listen twice as much? I read this last week about a bullfrog. <laughs> Did you know that God made the bullfrog with one muscle that sends a vibration to its brain and cancels out the croaking sound? When a bullfrog croaks, he can't hear it. Did you know that? The two vibrations cancel each other out. He can't hear the obnoxious sound he's making. Every time he croaks, his brain cancels it out. Can you believe it? Here's the principle. <laughs> Here's the principle. It's hard to listen with an open mouth. <laughs> it's hard to listen with an open mouth. Now, how would you rate yourself as a listener on a scale of 1 to 10? Did you know that most of us think that we're really good listeners and we're not? We think we're really good listeners, but often we're not. Um, I read of a guy a while back, and he decided to do an unscientific study uh, at a survey at a wedding just to prove that nobody listens. And uh, he went down the receiving line and he gave each person in the receiving line at the wedding a warm smile and he said, the alligators are loose. The alligators are loose. He said, everybody, everybody just gave him a warm smile, looked back and said, thank you. One lady even said, after he said the alligators are loose, said, oh, you really think so? I made them myself. <laughs> now, we've all heard that study. We've all heard that study that 7% of communication is actually what we say, right? And 93% has to do with facial expressions, hand gestures, body language, and the absolute tone. And that means if you're really going to hear somebody, you've got to go eyeball to eyeball and knee to knee, and you often have to reflect back like a parrot in what they're saying. It's called active listening. We're talking about how to get along with other people. Number three, how to be more patient with people. Number three, this leads to the point. You've got to give grace to other people. You've got to give grace. What is grace? God's a merit of favor. You've got to give grace to other people. Everybody has bad days. We're all flaky from time to time. 
it depends upon the time of day, it depends upon the time of the week, it depends on the time of month. You know, my wife knows that I have two touchy feelings during the week. Monday morning after Sunday, when I have a drill and drain, I'm a grouch often. Not always, but often I am. And number two, on Saturday evening, I have PMS. I have PMS. I have pre-message syndrome. I have pre-message syndrome. And I just, I, I, I just a little bit on edge. Not overly bad. I used to be a lot worse when I was younger, but not overly bad. But, I, but, but, but she makes allowances for that. We're, we, we all are uh, flaky at times. Don't get near a certain person with a 10-foot pole at times. And during those moments, wouldn't it be great to be able to give grace to other people to say, hey, you know, just let them have their own space for a little while. I, I want you to listen to what uh, Scripture says. Um, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults. Each other's faults because of your love. Proverbs 12:16 in the Good News Version says, Smart people will ignore an insult. Because love is what? Patient. Love is patient. Number four, practice the golden rule. Practice the golden rule. Do to others what you would want them to do unto you. Oh, look at Scripture. Always treat each other as you would like them to treat you. This single verse could perhaps restore the love in a lot of broken marriages. Treat others as you want to be treated. I'm out of time. I, I, I want to I close by reading a letter and this was written to a fellow pastor. God has restored a marriage and rekindled a love that was virtually dead. God had to break, bend, and finally remold me so that I would be ready when God began to work, do a work in my husband's life. Five years ago, I sat in the last row and I thought, you surely were talking to me as you told of Jesus' love and hope for the despairing. As my tears quietly fell, I found God's loving forgiveness and real hope and strength. I went home that day with my one-year-old son to a husband who worked constantly, drank heavily, and was emotionally hurting. But this time, Jesus came too. You'll never know the strength that God gave me over the months that followed. I wanted to run away. I wanted to start over, but I stayed and stayed and let God begin his work of changing me. I stopped praying for God to fix my marriage and my husband and started asking him to change me. Through the pain, God sheltered me. Two years ago, God removed my husband. God removed from my husband a desire for alcohol, and he did it overnight. This past summer, I decided to get off the fence and commit every area of my life to Christ. I gave him all those years I stubbornly held on 
I said, God, whatever it takes to bring me close to you, you do it. I'm going to stay in this marriage and let you work your will in my life. Three months later, in God's timing, my husband accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Talk about an answer to prayer. I'm married to a brand new man. A brand new man. God can rekindle a dead love. My husband and I are proof of God's caring, his power, and his ability to change lives. Our priorities in the family are straight. God is first, and he's so faithful in restoring the years the locusts had eaten. He's been wonderful to us. Now our, six years, now our six-year-old son prays, Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my daddy's heart and making him nice to me and not mean. I love my daddy. That's one example of the power of patience. Just one. Would you bow your heads with me? And let's pray together.